Hello and welcome back to the Lack of Depth Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Began. I am the host of this podcast this week and every other week. And this is episode two of 50k to 50k. And I don't want to spoil too many of the um of the I don't want to call them punchlines, but of the revealings of today's week. But we're actually further from the prize than we were when we started out. <laughs> uh, we we started out at um, 50k. Uh, in the last game day of last week, we went down to 37k. And now at the end of, or at least in the walk home, yep, there we are. We are at 50k 212. Yeah, 50k 212 in our better team. So we'll be focusing on that today as we do as we do all week. This is the A team. Uh, I'll move over and we can put the A team there uh, just as we jump into our first segment, game week review. So yeah, to, to launch into the, the review of today's game week, I'll, I'll scroll down to the bottom just so you guys can see the transfers out. So I said in last week's pod, you know, like, effort um let's you know what i mean i've i actually i watched the golden goal podcast on sky ff this week and i watched it after i'd done my own podcast i hadn't i didn't just copy what what they said but um tom said that he wasn't was going to skip the the, the leicester manu game i don't know if he ended up doing it or not I can't remember, but he was going to skip it and he was sure he was going to skip it and st- until he things started going awfully for him and it, and the, the opportunity just started looking slightly different. I don't personally think at the start of the season I was looking at that fixture and felt that, you know, Madison, you know, there was absolutely no way he could get anything from it. And so I wasn't going to go there. I just didn't really like the idea of having any Man U players or Leicester players long-term because, I mean, for all we knew at the start of the season, both of those managers were going to eminently be sacked. And so we just didn't know how they were going to line up, what players were going to be important. And so we just didn't want to gamble at that point. And then the fixture came around and we still weren't really sure where either team were at. And so no one felt confident making that gamble. It's just that once that becomes a differential gamble and other people aren't having captains in that day, it's an opportunity for us to correct all the woes of the weeks that have passed and immediately put ourselves in contention for the places that we would like to be. Should Madison have scored two goals or three goals? I know Madison isn't exactly a hat-trick maniac, but it definitely didn't feel impossible against you know the Manchester United of yesteryear. And so I like Tom almost did, I believe, brought in a Leicester player. I believe he couldn't afford to go straight to Madison, so he was considering Barnes. I went for the Madison pick. And then I watched Leicester play for the first time this season. I watched them play a lot last season. Tielemans was a real backbone in my team for, you know, various bonus in the fact that he kept scoring goals at the start of the season-related reasons. But yeah, I, so I watched the, the football happen and... I came out of that 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 match struggling to love the game. Quite drunk and struggling to love the game. 
Madison was in a bizarre right half space, but like deep playing right mid. It was messy. They moved through a different, a few different approaches in the first and second half. And it was messy. And Madison was miles from the action. And the whole team just looked supple and soft. And like they, they all had individual qualities, but I said this more, it was more evident after the Brighton game, but they, and during the Brighton game, but Leicester looked like they hate playing each other. And so hating playing each other, hate playing with each other. And so I, I kind of watched a game of that and I thought, right, you know, like I may as well just cut my losses. I, you know, I didn't think Haaland was going to start on Saturday until Pep came out and said, he's young, he starts all the time. So we all thought Haaland was going to start Saturday. And so that changed my plans as well. And so I did, no longer felt like taking the kind of shot in the dark that was going to be bringing in Madison and keeping him, even after that looked so bad, and bringing in Darwin Nunes for a Merseyside derby at Goodison Park when Frank Lampard's got people actually supporting Everton in like a nice way again, <laughs> rather than just like sort of hate loving them. So, I, yeah, I, I think like in terms of where my head was at last Friday, I just... I had so much bad luck so far. And, and and I guess like with Madison, I was just feeling like even the outlandish things I was trying weren't landing. And so I just felt like risking going without Haaland for another week in order to bring in Nunes for what is like objectively going to be like a stiff and cagey fixture just didn't feel like the gamble to take. And although I hate using transfers, it felt like one that really had to be done. And I, I couldn't just do it straight up without downgrading someone. And so because I have to bring Henderson in next week, I just brought that transfer forward so I could get Haaland in and captained him. And ultimately I think I was I was I was fine with the outcome of that. So yeah, those that is how I ended up doing the transfers that I did do. So so I've now used uh, even though this only says two, I used one the day before the last day of last game week. So I, I I've used three more than we last than when we last spoke, um, and that that puts me up to having used uh seven. So not 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 bad, not awful, better than some averages. So we'll take it. Then to move into my actual starting eleven, uh, Henderson. Henderson's an unfortunate one, and Nottingham Forest looked kind of in kind of in control of that game. I, I mean, I think it's one of these ones where I certainly went into that match with a perception in my head of a toothless Bournemouth, and so I wasn't expecting them to come back and score three goals. No, no part of me was expecting them to come back and score three goals, or even like. I thought they could score one because people can always score one. But yeah, I, I was definitely surprised by the outcome of that match. And so I, although it does feel kind of ham-fisted to call it like bad luck, considering the fact that Henderson conceded three goals and didn't make enough saves for tears, I'm not super upset with that because I have in, after the Leeds game and after the Fulham game, I do have the opportunity to bring Henderson back out. If, if, if it just looks like it's all crumbling and... I was very unfortunate that the data presented itself in one way and then after I brought him in, everything seems to have changed. But that can happen at the start of the season. And so no one's safe. 
if I can bring Madison in for a day and then take him straight back out, I'd be more than happy to take Henderson back out after three solid fixtures. <laughs> so yeah, uh, captaincy and three solid fixtures, Henderson's in. Dyer, again, uh, Tottenham looked like a team that everyone would struggle to score against, but that anyone could score against. I was looking at the expected goals against table and Tottenham are firmly top four in that as well. And so it's not as if it's a bad defence to invest in. It just isn't like some kind of, you know, Iron Maiden. Iron Cell? Hell in a set. Iron Wall. Yeah, Dyer. And he didn't get passing tiers again against... Who did they play again? Fulham? I'm not ecstatic about that, to be honest. I mean, also, if you've seen the Mitrovic goal, what a screamer. Like, just, he's, Mitrovic is just amazing. He just looks unreal. His finishing looks second to none. It looks exactly like when I saw Kane in person. So, you know, loan those guys. But yeah, wasn't that upset about losing the clean sheet. Mitrovic can do that to anyone. Was upset about not getting past his tears. Uh, next, one second, let me put my phone and do not disturb. You guys deserve my whole attention. Cancelo. Um... Do I have anything to say about Cancelo? Uh, I'm no longer considering taking him out for Walker Um, because I'm considering bringing Walker in for Dyer instead. I guess that's like that's like input. Yeah, he looks good. The passes tier was, were there. I mean, does he look like the best player in the game? No. But does he look like the most nailed Man City set Man City defender? Yes. And so I kind of feel like that's what I'm paying for with the 11 million. So I don't really grudge him for not having the attacking output as much as I did seemingly two weeks ago. And so, yeah, you know what I mean? We'll take the lot. We'll take the W's with the L's. Next we have, speaking of L's, <laughs> next we have Saliba. Um, the thing is, every other time they hadn't kept a clean sheet, I was like, that was quite unlucky. One of the reasons for that was that they were playing objectively not top-level teams. Not saying Man U suddenly are a top-level team, but they came and they were well-organised, and Arsenal looked like very unlikely to score for large parts of that game. They looked like they were struggling to break them down defensively, and, I mean, it could have been four if it wasn't three, with the mistake that Xhaka made that put Ronaldo through and so on and so forth. It just... It wasn't a convincing defensive performance that made me think that if Saliba was any more expensive, I'd be having two of them or something like that, or that I would be one of the people to pick up Gabrielle as well. And so, yeah, I, I wasn't thrilled with how that went. I also, I've said this a few times in the podcast, but I always get a little bit worried when teams have a kind of a result that can be shell-shocking for them, that the manager is going to switch it up to keep it fresh and hungry, especially with the quality that Arsenal have on the bench. And, Tommy Asu being there, who could easily come in and play right back, and Ben White move into the middle. We'll just have to hope that Saliba keeps his spot in the next game. I think he probably will. Managers who keep the exact same team for the exact same, you know I mean, centre back partnership for this many games, especially when it's a new centre back partnership, look to like want to establish that and keep it developing and keep them comfortable rather than chopping and changing it with Ben White. Also, if he wants Ben White to like, become the right back that I, I think he really can be, then moving him into centre-back spaces every other week isn't the best way to help him develop. All of that being said, 
we've seen how we saw how Pep does it with Aki and and that kind of like sometimes left, sometimes left centre back way that is kind of flippant between the two. And and as we know, Arteta came up under Pep under those wings of the the bald eagle. And so, yeah, I I imagine that I I imagine in some either alternate reality or some very very eminent future reality Ben White is playing right centre back again and Saliba owners will just have to deal with the kind of the harsh realities of someone only costing 7.4 mil next we have Cucurella for his last ever game week in the team Fafana now in the starting 11 for Chelsea uh, will absolutely be joining my ranks even though Chelsea defence doesn't look that good it's just a bargain and Cucurella has absolutely lost his spot because Chelwell came in for, I believe it was about a minute and a half and outscored everything Cucurella has ever done in any football team. And so it's probably best that I make that move to Fafana at the same time absolutely everyone else is. Also, one of the perks of being 50k is that the other people who are in around 50k probably won't make that move because they're probably not that engaged managers because... You know, we're we're at fifty K. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not exactly, you know, battling wits here with that Fabio Bourgeois guy. So yeah, I, I'm seeing light sides and I'm still saying so yeah, all the same. Those are the those are the clues that I'm still mentally well after what is an objectively bizarre week of football. <laughs> uh then in the midfield, I've got Kamara who I want to get rid of. I know I used to love him, but but like, oh Gerard is getting fired. He's getting fired and then Kamara's going to be played slightly differently and he's like chopping up the team and, and and Louise is like starting and in around again. He's sniffing around. He's looking good. Arsenal are trying to sign him. He'll have to play some games at some point. It looks so bad that I don't think Gerard could possibly like even taking Kamara out with all that he does. I don't think that could possibly make them worse, even though it would make them concede about 100 goals because he's got the most defensive actions of anyone in that team. Yeah. That's where I'm at mentally. Mentally, that's how I feel about Kamara. That rant, that nonsensical rant is how I feel about Kamara. I want rid of him and I wish I could play a 5-2-3 and move Kamara straight to Fafana. Jao Polina, I'll be keeping him forever. Polina stays, Polina good, his fixtures are about to turn, he'll get tackle steers against Chelsea and a yellow card and he's not in Europe so he'll play every game and I'll have him from now until the end of the season and I love him. And he's tall and Portuguese and good in football manager. There's just, there's nothing you can't like about him. Salah. The Salah out movement. How do I feel about the Salah out movement? Slightly indifferent. I kind of don't know how to feel. I'm going to touch on this later when we get to like the, the, the rising and falling stocks. Obviously Salah's stock is falling. Like, the, the team as an entirety doesn't look totally balanced. They're missing out on the kind of middle section of their build-up play that was kind of, as we're rapidly learning, just Thiago because the other two DMs were just kind of positionally helping out in attacking phases and they were just doing stuff and then they were kind of destroyers in defence and they were also kind of engine people. And Thiago was kind of the one pulling the strings, who from names alone, you would assume out of Thiago, Henderson and Milner, 
Thiago would be the one pulling the strings. But, you know, he's a string puller. I don't know when he's back, but if he doesn't come back soon, they're going to, they just, they lack the, the creativity in deep, deep spaces to kind of, to break down someone who's packing the areas that they're trying to constantly overload things in. And it essentially just looks like them creating overloads in what are already overran defensive areas. And so you see a lot of scenes that look like Salah out really wide, on being underlapped by Harvey Elliott, being underlapped by uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, all running into the same half space, all running into four Everton defenders. You see a lot of scenes that look like that on both sides. And if there was just someone they could knock it back to, who could create some rhythm, play some longer, more direct passing, play some shorter tikis and takas, it would just look a lot calmer, a lot smoother. Obviously, we, as we know, they don't have Manny anymore. But the injuries, like Thiago, for example, are definitely taking a hold of them as well. Uh, also, Simicas was there, just to touch on other... Uh, Liverpool stuff and in every other game he's looked better than every game he's come on in and for, for five minutes he's looked better than Robertson and then the one game he starts and Robertson comes on in for five minutes Robertson <laughs> looks better so I don't know what's going on there I don't know if I'm meant to have an opinion on that because he's not in my team it doesn't really seem like my jurisdiction next I captained Jesus for a cool two points did he get a yellow card yes he did <laughs> um what are my thoughts and feelings on that uh Okay. I mean, obviously Arsenal's fixtures turn after the Brentford game, but I'm pretty happy to keep Jesus against Everton and then Brentford as well. I think the team will respond. I don't think Jesus is ever going to be at risk of his possession being threatened. And so I feel pretty happy just to shoulder those two fixtures and then go from there. Maybe I make a change, maybe I don't, but I'll, I'll try and get those games watched, analyse the data and then make a decision closer to the time. But I, I do kind of feel that Hallen Kane Mitrovic is, is, is the move. And so uh, drop a comment down below what you think the best three-striker lineup is after, what game week is it now? After game week five, six, seven. After game week seven, what is the best three-striker lineup and why is it Kane, Haaland, Mitrovic? Let me know. And should you at that point have Salah? Let me know. Like, comment, subscribe, and let me know. Next, Kane. Harold Kane returned again, scored virtually the exact same points as Haaland, and so I could have just captained him instead. Uh, the one week I bring Haaland in, uh, he doesn't score a hat-trick, but I'm not that annoyed. I'm actually not that annoyed. I felt like it was inevitability. I put it off so long that I was bound to miss the best part of owning him. But yeah, Kane has not blanked in any of his games so far. He looks the least likely to be rotated of any Tottenham player. And he, to me, is by far in every way the second best option. Money, no option. Like, money, no issue. So you're not worrying about the fact that Mitrovic is doing similar things for a lot less. I think the the, the ranking of must-ownness of strikers definitely is uh, Haaland 1 and Harold 2. Harold King 2. So, yeah, lots of has. Ha-ha. Um... Let's just take a quick look at their fixtures. Obviously, they've got Man City next. But as FPL Dan was saying in the video I was just watching, City are a bit of a... No, Tottenham are a bit of a bogey team for City. Uh, is it being played at the, the Etihad? 
yeah, it's being played at the Etihad, which is fun because then it's like an equal atmosphere. And lastly, but not leastly, we have Erling Haaland, who ha- also hasn't blanked in a single game. And I brought him in, he only got 10 points, not the 20. I'm fine with that, I think. Ugh. It's just annoying because I don't think he'll play next week. And so I wish I waited until after that was over. But I think, weirdly in my head, it makes sense that if I hadn't owned Talon today, he would have scored another hat-trick. And so I did the world a favour and avoided that eventuality. I, I, I... Yeah, overall, I got 44 points. And how do I feel about that? Considering it's a red arrow... And I made two transfers. Not amazing, but I think the week of football was so bizarre that we just say on to the next one and kind of move on. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and after that, moving on, I'll be back with the next section. Hello, and welcome back to the second set. I need to start running mid-roll ads. Anyway, uh, we're doing this week's stock rising, stock falling, which is where I con fine the main news sto- the leading news stories of the week to a separate section named stocks rising where i discuss everyone who looks to be doing well and who is rising in their value to the public eye or the fantasy football concerned public eye and then we discuss stocks falling where we discuss virtually the same thing but people who aren't doing so well <laughs> For, for a multitude of reasons. Now, to, to begin, we're going to start with stocks rising because we always start, start with stocks rising because uh, I'm fundamentally a positive person. First stock rising is Erling Tony, who scored a hat-trick. 20 points was the top-scoring player in the game this week. Got 30 points. I meant 20. Got 20 points. And has Southampton and Bournemouth in his next three. And so there does look to be some points there as well. They obviously just scored five. One of their next three is against Arsenal. Tony scored against them last week as well, last year as well, and had them so upset they were showing his tweet in training to try and motivate the players. And so, yeah, do I still think that Tony's too expensive? Yeah. <laughs> I received a comment uh, yesterday saying, under the video where I said, Tony seems less likely to haul than the other guys. And uh, the comment essentially said, well, he just hauled. So that makes you look a bit stupid. And I would like to counteract that argument by saying, I still believe it to be true. Even in the face of the facts that he has just hauled, right now in this moment, if you ask me who are the like top three players I should bring in my team right now, knowing Tony has Southampton, and Mitrovic is about to play Chelsea, and I, if I was a if I was a betting man, I've realized. Okay, so I've realized what I'm saying, and that is kind of nonsense. And Tony Tony will probably outscore Mitrovic in that one game week. But if we look across the next five to seven game weeks, I think Mitrovic will absolutely destroy Tony and Isaac. Have I even mentioned Isaac in this? No. Next, Isaac. Was electric in his debut. The next game was a tough game. They didn't score a goal. So on, fine, whatever. Do I think you should go for him over Mitrovic? 
So his fixtures have already swung, but Mitrovic's swing next game week, and Mitrovic is statistically the second best striker in the Premier League right now, and the second most likely of all players to score. Mitrovic's XG is 4.8. And if I change it to goals, because I'm an idiot, and I don't know how to get that, he's actually scored six. Which is, again, the second most in the Premier League. Like I said last week, Erling Haaland... I'm expecting him to score double the amount of point goals as anyone else. He scored 10. And so the fact that I didn't own him is mortifying. But to to come back here and, and give you a point, you should own Mitrovic, Haaland, and Kane after next game week. And try and avoid Salah, maybe. I'll get to that when I get to stocks falling. Next, Mitrovic has the second highest XD. I just made that point he's doing excellent finishes he looks trim confident and astute and he has the best fixtures after Chelsea you weren't expecting me to be that concise were you you don't come here for conciseness you come here for personality you come here for a lot of posters and you come here for someone trying incredibly hard not to swear Uh, Pope Perfect keeper bonus in every game. Oh, sorry, there's a dash there. Perfect keeper question mark. Bonus in every game, plus three clean sheets in six, and has played Liverpool and City in that time. That seems fair. Those are tough fixtures. And so Ramsdale, with even better fixtures, doesn't have as many points as Pope. So potato, potato. If I was making the same transfers as this week again, would I have gone for Pope instead? Probably not, because I need Henderson next week anyway. I don't really have transfers I can afford to burn. Next, Collins and Kilman. Semi-reliable bonus, and they've got three out of six clean sheets. Their bonuses are okay in terms of reliability, and I kind of like them. I don't know. I don't know how. I, I still don't know how I feel about them using the five-back as a utility tactic rather than as just like a solid part of their play. It doesn't fill me with confidence, to be honest. And they've got rid of another centre-back. Did they not just get rid of Bolly? I don't even know where he's gone. But I know he's gone. So, yeah, I don't know. I would stay clear of them for the five-back, especially because of the price, the fact that they are, you know, Romero's back fit again. I've got him written down. Romero is alive again. And so his stock is rising because everyone had him a couple weeks ago. And I'm sure at some point, as the injuries of the season roll in we'll all have Romero again uh, I've then written literally all Brighton players what I think is really interesting is that on the uh, expected goals against data they are top four I think they're the second or third best defense in the league in terms of the quality of the shots they're allowing they're conceding and literally all of their attacking players returned uh, against um Albeit it is Leicester, and so Leicester are starting to look like a bit of a defence to target. But, yeah, I don't know. I just would be very interested in what Brighton have going on right now. They're notorious for creating quality chances and not finishing them. And if you take like even just like a brisk look at the goals that Caicedo and Trossard scored today, they're creating great chances and finishing them. And finishing them really comfortably and well they look not only are they kind of 
using their team as a utility to stop other teams and how they want to attack, which is something that Potter has always been good at. They have like a discernible style of play. Yes, it does change team to team depending on where they believe the space is, but they have this kind of they have this like amazing free movement attack of 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 collapsing center mids and this and these pressing structures that are just paintings they are absolutely beautiful in terms of how they move move the ball out wide and then trap it it's just it's professional i don't know why it's good <laughs> it's good it's it's everything brighton have always been known for being good at with like great finishes at the end and so i don't know if i'd necessarily be betting on pascal gross as my brighton pick but i think a lot of the brighton picks look like good ones uh mcallister scored two goals today and on the fpl app because everyone owns gross uh gross was voted the man of the match so yeah keep an eye out for that uh then i've got rashford who has three returns in two games he will obviously keep his spot he costs not point f all and yeah i don't know if i'm necessarily tempted because so far, they have looked like a team who's more likely to score in the big games. I don't know what's going on in their psychology, but it glazers out, I guess. I don't know. Is Rashford glazers in? These are the questions we have to know. He obviously couldn't say it because they pay him. But um, yeah, Rashford has three returns in two games, and so a lot of people will be bringing him in. And that is just something to consider if you have an injury in the midfield or something like that, and you're looking for someone around that price to bring in you might want to just take a look his way for reasons around the fact that I think their next couple of fixtures are all right. And um, whenever everyone else is going to be owning someone and that's, and I don't think Rashford's going to become template, but it you, you kind of have to make like a, am I down or am I not down decision at that point? Because Say Rashford does score, you're kind of done. That being said, it's not like Rashford's Haaland. And the, if Rashford does, like, I don't see Rashford banging in braces and hat-tricks all the time. And so if he does score, it will only be like, you know what I mean, 7 to 11 points. And so you might be able to live with that if you'd rather go for anyone from like a Martinelli to a Trossard. Nico Williams got an attacking return his expected goal involvement is at an elite level in the premier league i said at the start of the season ah, that makes me look fucking that makes me look like a genius no it doesn't i suppose because anyone who watched him at fulham might have known as well or i don't know maybe he did like he does like good stuff for wales but um yeah i said from i seen him play once for liverpool and i was like that's a player so that makes me look like Smart or something, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm it's late. Um <laughs> next we have Fafana. Uh his stock's rising because he's a starter now, and so you can expect everyone who owns Twitter to own him within the next like two to three breaths. And so I'll be one of them because Cucarella gotta go, someone gotta come. So speak to you guys soon. But the next time you see me, I'll be a Fafana owner. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's some um psychic medium stuff. And then we have, lastly, we have Romero, but I already said he was alive again. So I'm going to take a sip of tea now and we'll get into the stocks falling. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. 
La da 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 dee. Songs falling. Do 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 do. Gonna sing the first guy's stuff, and then we'll move on to the other ones. Jesus blanked, um, and then his fixtures after the international break. Uh huh. Oh, Tottenham, Liverpool, Leeds, and Man City. Uh huh. Yeah. So he's just not good. Anything else to say? Mm. Am I scared to not own him? No. But I wasn't scared to not own Haaland. And so what is that to us? I know nothing about football. Um, the only reason I'm not scared to own him is because around that point, or well, I guess one week earlier than that, Mitrovic's fixtures turn. And so I can't just take Jesus out for Mitrovic and then kind of deal with the fallout. And that feels like something I'd be pretty happy to do. Also, will Nketiah ever start? Is there a point to be made that Arsenal, although not in the European competition to end all European competitions, they still are in some. And so is Jesus likely to be rotated in order for the to, to keep him fresh for the, any point in the group stages of those? Almost definitely not. It's not their focus. Their focus is very much the Premier League, especially in the group stage. I think Nketiah will play in the European competitions. And so, yeah, I'm not really... I'm not really using Jesus being rotated as a way to justify taking him out for Mitrovic. But also, I don't have Van Dijk and I need to get Van Dijk. Even though even though Liverpool defence looks awful and they are one of the stocks falling, well, just Liverpool in general are one of the stocks falling, Van Dijk gets like, he gets so many passes and I just, maybe if like Fafana becomes like somewhat of a differential at some point or if I make like a bunch of good picks but the fact that I have Salah and I don't have Van Dijk is killing my brain if I can just think of like someone who's good to replace Salah with and make a good decision on Jesus and Mitrovic I think I can get back up to like a meaningful rank and stop with this like ridiculously cheesy named <laughs> uh, this ridiculously cheesily named um series but until that point the series stays so when Stella, until I'm top 10k it's going to be pink thumbnails every week. It's going to be the purple background. It's going to be me with the, the spotlight thing on and the blonde stripe of my hair. It's going to, it's all going to be this and the posters. It's all going to be exactly like this until if I go top 10K, I'll shave my head and my eyebrows and I'll just, I'll be here and I'll just be ecstatic. Uh, I'm going to cut this out. Uh, Son, another week, another blank. And he's not going to play next week. He did look better though, but that happens to all players when I take them out of my team. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that to be his hard work. I'd more assume it to be mine. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any much else to say. He blanked again. Kane obviously looks like the pink, the pick from uh, Tottenham at this time, and even uh, outside of penalties, Kane's got higher expected goals. And so I would look at him. Um, Kulusevski, uh, one point. Oh, also. Son hit the crossbar this week, actually. So what if his expected goals... What if his non-penalty expected goals have now overtaken Keynes? Don't worry, guys. I'm on the, I'm on the case. Yeah, no, that's not right. 
Son's non-penalty expected goals is 11th and his expected goals are probably a little bit lower down. 13th! Unlucky 13. Yeah, he's not doing very well, is he? He's just been out of form. I think the form will come back, but I don't think keeping keeping owning him now when he's about to play Man City is the best decision. Next is Kulosevsky, who got rotated before Sonned, which I think will be disappointing for Kulosevsky owners. I don't know, I don't own him, but you can let me know if you're disappointed. You probably are. Kulosevsky was rotated before Son, even though Son looks horrible, which definitely means that he's more likely to get rotated throughout the season. However, Son is now definitely more likely to be rotated next game week. So at least for now, Kulosevsky owners can breathe, breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, generally stocks falling Leicester the manager is definitely about to get sacked uh, Liverpool I've already touched on that but they look awful and Cucurella Chilwell took his spot back Cucurella's looked good for Chelsea but in a really uninspired Chelsea team I don't think he has like his runs don't have the kind of brutality and directness of a Chilwell that can really cut through into striker like spaces and invert with quite the quality that he doesn't have the inversion, the inverting quality of a kind of diving towards the box chill well, like uh, Reese James has on the other side. And so I think in order to get Chelsea back on track, I think Thomas Tuchel's probably going to realise from the fact that Ben Chilwell came on for 10 minutes or something like that and completely made them way better, that he should probably get a few runouts. And I don't even think... Even Kukurela's mother and father would attest to that. I think they'll probably agree. So, yeah, uh, I've got to get rid of Kukurela and you do too. And we'll all probably go to Fafana because passing tears. Uh, thank you very much. Have a great day.